0: Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. We are so full of distraction internally. Forget the external stuff. Just what's going on in our minds and our hearts that's distracting us from hearing God. See, it's a surprise to us when we recognize that we actually do hear God because there's so much other junk we're listening to that we forget that we actually hear God. It's like, oh, what? You know, Are you ever surprised when you hear God and it's confirmed? It's because we're not used to it. We're not, it's not our normal. But I'm telling you, if you would give yourself permission, it's way more normal than you realize the way that you hear God. And when you become comfortable in that vein, then man, you can deal with anything. When these truths are the first thing that rise up, when the the lie starts coming, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you have that panic feeling and we've got all our mechanisms in place, it's not that coffee's bad. It's just that it can become an idol because we go to it first as a routine rather than going to God first. Whatever you go to first is an idol if it's not God. It's in the way of who he is. I don't mean you got to, you know, you know what I'm saying. It's not about the external behavioral stuff. It's about what are you going to? So I want us to be at a place where in our minds and in our hearts, we can face anything and deal with it from the proper vantage point. And, you know, just... Let me try and refine what all the, I've got working here. I've got a couple of statements here. Many times we are robbed of what God wants to do in our lives because we're impatient. That's right. That's right. Jesus says, in your patience possess ye your souls. Yeah. Hebrews thirty six for you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. The promise is tied to patience. It's not that you have to perform patience and then God releases the promise. Now, let me just say this about patience because so many people jump to this idea that God will put trials in your path to develop patience within you. Well, here's your homework for this week. Go read James chapter one, read the whole chapter, and what you get the picture of is this. I'm just gonna read this to you. James one tells us that the trying of our faith works patience and to let patience have its perfect work so you'll be mature and lack nothing. But we stop reading after those first few verses, and we miss further down when he says, don't say that the trial's from God. So trials come when you are tempted. If there is not a temptation, there will not be a trial. Then he says the temptation comes from your own lusts and your own desires. Now, there is what's called tribulation and persecution in this world, and neither of those are from God either. You learn in those moments. You develop patience in those moments. But trials are a result of temptation which come from our own lusts and desires. You can do a word study and look up everywhere where it says temptation and trial, and it's, they're always connected. And James says very clearly, don't say that it's from God. Persecution is when you are standing up for Christ's sake and you take heat, to put it lightly. <laughs> pressure or, or uh, tribulation is pressure from the external world. None of that stuff is from God. It's all the way God works with you and refines you is inward with his word. Now... Patience is not something that you gain because you've passed an external test that God has crafted for you. Patience is something that you do learn because we get our focus off of him and we fall into temptations and we put ourselves through these difficulties in this world and we learn patience. Now, tribulation could also be sickness or disease or just the stuff in this world. You know, we think of tribulation as God's blowing a horn and all hell breaks loose on the planet. No, tribulation is just difficulties in this world pressing in on us. And if you remain patient, then you experience life. Receiving the crown of life is kind of just metaphorical language for realizing what Jesus said. One of the things I like to do is run through the epistles and try to tie those teachings back to what Jesus said. So often, Jesus has already spoken what these guys will teach later on. So this thing of uh, receiving the crown of life is tied to, in patience, you possess your souls. You possess your life. Uh, Soul means the... uh, I'm jumping around here. But soul is that place where you live. It's that place in you where your emotions and your decisions come from. Your heart is where your beliefs are. I'm not trying to give a spiritual anatomy lesson. But what it means in that in patience, you possess your souls. Basically, if you can remain patient, you won't lose your mind and freak out and experience death. So patience is not something that God is trying to develop within you with difficulty. Patience is actually a fruit of the Spirit. That's right. See, God doesn't bring spiritual things into your life with carnal mechanisms. You know what I'm saying? If God wants you to experience something spiritually, it comes from the Spirit, not from some external, physical, carnal means. Everything that we have or ever will need from God is by grace, through faith a fruit of the Spirit. And there's no difficulty in that heaven dimension for you to work through to experience it into your life. It's just that when you try to step out on it, pressure comes. And usually that pressure is that stuff like what Clint said, what's rolling around in your mind. I'm trying to squeeze all this in to get to where I want to go. We have to realize that when we start to deal with our stuff, when we start to let him in our closet, so to speak, that you, you, you have to own it. The very first step, and addicts know this, addicts that go through, you know, 12-step processes, it always starts with own it, admit it. Now, you don't have to admit it for 20 years. You know, my name's Clint. I'm an alcoholic. I've been clean for 25 years. You're not, you're not an alcoholic. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus if God lives within you. So anyway, this stuff has to go beyond just information to to real life application so that we experience transformation. That's really the only thing other than walking out our call. The only thing left for a believer is for you to experience continual transformation. And that happens in the mind. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so much, our our mind won't let us transform because it's got that stuff within it. So the process is this. You want to let it come up. And I'm I'm so glad he had that experience, not because it ruined his week, but because that boy's life is about to change. Yours will do the same if you let that stuff come up. You have to let yourself feel it. See, that's the reason we can't let it go and process it and move on because we're afraid to let ourselves feel it. But you've got to let yourself feel it. You've got to recognize it and see it and, 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 and let it run its course. Now, don't, don't let that go to a destructive phase because, you know, it's, it's the patterns of thought that launch out from those emotions that you have to watch out. So. When you begin this process of letting, becoming aware of what's within you, letting yourself feel those abiding feelings that rise up within you, then true spiritual warfare starts. Spiritual warfare is defined by, uh, is one in this, and that is bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So every thought that rises up, every emotion that rises up, you recognize it acknowledge it and hold it up against what Christ was obedient to, the, the fear that rises up. Did Christ conquer fear? The, the worry that rises up. Did Christ conquer worry? You know, in Christ's obedience, did he deal with that thing that's rising up within you? So you, that's, that's the warfare that happens. So some of you will start to feel this stuff and the next thing you know it's 12 hours later and you're sitting in a bar and it's like, how did I get here? Or you're doing something that's like, this is the very behavior that I didn't want to do. It's because you didn't engage in that aspect of bringing those thoughts captive to his obedience. You let that stuff run its destructive course. See, there has to be a part in this process where when it comes up, and you're recognizing it, you take a promise and you start to replace that, that idea, that thought, with this promise to the degree that you feel the promise rather than that limiting belief, rather than that, that lie, rather than that past thing that's so easily nags you. So it's an interesting process. It's a delicate process. You know, there's a bit of a paradox within there. Because you don't want it to take root and run its course and lead you to destruction because it could. I mean, this, isn't, this is a sketchy process if you start to let yourself feel these destructive things that rise up because you're, you're going to want to run with them. But you have to break the pattern, stand on the promise of God, and meditate on that to the degree that your feelings about yourself and about who, God, who you are in Christ begin to change. But there's there's an interesting aspect to this, and it has to to do with your vantage point. It has to do with where you're standing when you let yourself feel this stuff. Are you standing in, see, a vantage point is this, like like, pretend that there's a big wall here. My vantage point is where I am, and my perspective is that I can only see all the stuff that's on this side because this is blocking it. But if I were to change my vantage point, my perspective changes, I can see more. So the vantage point, where you're standing, determines what you can see. Some of you are standing in your past. Some of you are standing in that divorced, dead marriage and looking at your life and yourself. Some of you are standing in your parents' house listening to what they say. Some of you are standing in your jobs thinking, this is who I am. This is all I'll ever be. But you have to stand at the right hand of God, seated in heaven, to have a proper perspective to deal with this stuff. Amen. Where are you standing? What's your vantage point? Is it in the middle of the stuff that, where those feelings are rooted Or can you take yourself out and stand next to God and look at yourself and and realize, see the key, one of the main keys to doing this process is make sure that you're not judging yourself as you let these things rise up. If you're standing next to God in Christ, hidden with Christ in God, you can let yourself see anything. And it's not that you detach from who you are. You know, I'm not talking about some kind of weird dissociative thing. It's just that, no, you're giving yourself the best chance to see a different perspective so you can actually deal with this stuff. You know, you know what I'm talking about, you counselors especially, because you'll, you'll sit down in front of somebody and they start describing something that you struggle with and you look at it with them and it's like, oh, I, that's very easy. I can see this. But then you have to remember, no, when you're in the middle of it, Was it like then? And see, that's what we have to do. We have to be able to take ourselves from a stand in a different vantage point to get God's perspective. God's perspective is anything is possible. See, if you are facing something and you feel like there's an impossibility, you're standing in the wrong place, move to get God's perspective. That's why we have to get the Word of God in our hearts and in our minds through worship and prayer and meditation and little cards like this. You know, One of the things that we're, I'm gonna continue to do is make this stuff. It's a, it's a creative release for me to make these things. I love graphic design, so I'm just gonna keep making this stuff. We're gonna make some posters and bookmarks and all that to just kinda help us wash our brains with identity and stay rooted in this stuff and give the Word an actual chance to grow <coughs> in our hearts. But that's the question, where are you standing? You know, what am I feeling? And as I feel this stuff, where am I standing? In other words, how am I seeing this? How do I see myself? Do I see myself in the middle of it consumed in this? Or am I outside of it realizing, man, look at, look at what I've been dealing with. Look at what I've been struggling with. And don't judge and don't give yourself excuses either. That's a big one. It's like we might have very, very good excuses for being in the middle of that really difficult situation. Especially if it's not your fault if you were victimized. Man, I'm telling you, being being in a position where someone else did an injustice to you, you better watch out more than the person that did the injustice. Because you got a really good excuse to stay stuck. Right. That's right. Where are you standing? So patience, I was going to talk about patience. <laughs> patience realizes and trusts that grace is working. Amen. Trusts that the Holy Spirit is leading you and guiding you into all truth. Trusts that there is hope for you. Trust, see, transformation gets you, takes you through this process of looking at something, uh, of not, not letting yourself deal with something, To the point where, okay, now I'm going to deal with this stuff. And you're looking at it and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm not ready to deal with that. So you step over here back again. You don't deal with it. But then you get, it's like, I'm fed up. I'm going to deal with it. And then you're looking at it. And it's like, oh, I don't know what to do. Transformation happens this way. I don't know what to do. The Holy Spirit does. So I'm going to just open my heart and my mind to him. And rather than waiting for that intellectual path to drop into your brain and highlight exactly what you're supposed to do, trust that God knows how to teach your heart to walk through that process. And if you are patient, in other words, you're not, this is the definition of patience, to be of long spirit, not to lose heart. Uh, to persevere patiently and bravely in enduring misfortunes and troubles and uh, slow to anger. But I like the part not to lose heart. Don't let discouragement. It'll be the most challenging thing that you do, but it can be the most rewarding thing that you do to let that stuff come up and deal with it. Now, you might, it might, you might really get to a point where it's like, man, I, I need some help. And you, you seek out, you know, find one of us and we'll sit down and go through a counseling process and help you along that journey. You know, we will help you focus on the Holy Spirit and help you hear the Holy Spirit for yourself to walk through this process. That's what good counseling really should do. And so, you know, as this stuff comes up, reach out. That's why I I love that this is a safe place because we can talk to one another, whether it be a formal, one of the formal counselors we have here or just somebody that you want to talk to. You know, when you go through a a 12 step process in AA, one of the things that you have to do is get somebody that you don't know and tell them all your stuff that you've done. And then another step is you start calling everybody that you've harmed in your past and apologizing to them. And I'm not gonna necessarily make you do that. but. You know, you let the Holy Spirit guide you. If you get an idea in this process and it's, you know, I want you to be free to be creative, to follow God and not wait to be told what to do and trust that you're hearing God. You know, I think, man, church has dumbed down the process of following God to the degree that we sit and wait for everything to be told to us, of what we're supposed to do. You hear God. You do. That's honestly, I have an ulterior motive. And it is to have these kinds of exercises in a meditative environment so that you become comfortable hearing God. So when it comes time to where you really need to depend on him to deal with stuff, you've had those experiences. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, are, are you going to do that? Your life can be exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or imagine. And you're just a few thoughts and decisions away from that. But it takes you stepping outside of yourself into Christ and looking at your life and letting the Holy Spirit be boss. Letting him be the teacher, letting him guide you. And, you know, the, the thing is, too, then all this stuff starts to lose its, uh, its scariness. I did air quotes. Do I do that a lot when I'm preaching? I don't think so. I don't know. No? Good. It, you know, I'm telling you, anything that you can let yourself face, it loses power. What, what are you afraid to deal with? What are you afraid to let rise up? What are you afraid that's going to happen? What promise are you going to stand on? Do you understand the concept of thinking on something until you begin to feel it? I mean, it's a lot difficult of a process, but I, I want you to do that. I want you to maybe even this week take some time to make, make up something for yourself and think, okay, I want to feel happy. And you sit and you think about something that makes you happy or you do something that makes you happy to the degree that you actually feel happy. Instead of sitting around waiting and going, I wish somebody would make me feel happy. I wish something would happen that would make me happy. Well, it's your life, right? <laughs> I mean, I think we don't realize that we have that kind of power. We have that type of mind where we can choose and our future can change. You want a different future? It starts with change, making decisions right now, today. It's not that difficult. Psychologically what and, and physiologically, physically, what begins to happen is that when you can step outside of the stuff that limits you and you can step outside of your, your, your normal uh, emotional state and you start looking for different perspectives and you're looking to God to help you see different perspectives, the moment you begin to see a different possibility for your future, your brain actually kicks in and starts creating new neurological pathways. Your brain chemistry actually changes to begin functioning differently. And the result is you can see different options that you didn't see before. See, that's why we have to have the mindset, the heart posture toward God that all things are possible. So that your brain and your physiology begins to match what you believe in your heart. And then then you're hardwired to live as if all things are possible. See, we believe in our hearts that all things are possible, but we're, bright, we're hardwired to be limited because we're, not seeing, we're only seeing this tiny little perspective. But you get God's mindset. You have the mind of Christ. You start thinking the way that he thinks, and it's very easy to do that. You just look at a few things that Jesus said and think about that stuff. Meditate on it. Let it, let it roll around in your heart and your mind, and let it, let it produce those emotions And, you know, everything about you will begin to change. It's really incredible how he designed us. What you choose, good or bad, truth or lie, your body will begin to rearrange itself to prove that out physically. It's just that our choices are being made for us because of our pasts. And we're not exercising self-control and disciplining our minds to be rooted in truth. And it, it doesn't take very long. It doesn't take very long to change your life by engaging in this process of meditation. A lot of it is, you know, don't, don't misunderstand this, but a lot of this can be done without God. There's a lot of this stuff that met people that are not believers. They do this stuff, but they're, but they're limited to their, their own scope. There's a, they, they keep hitting ceilings. What I'm talking about is engage God, engage the designer of this body, of this mind, of this heart. Let him teach you how to walk through these. Pro- and again, it's just a method. You know, they're all kind of methods, they're all kind of things. I'm not saying leave God out of it, but we want to we want to steward our bodies in the presence of our God, our Lord, which means boss, really, the one who we answer to. Amen. You know, our king. And he is a good king. Thank you. He'll say, Oh, you want to go that way? Or well, here's how you do it. And your heart will hear that, and if you will trust him and let yourself deal with those things, you'll move down that path. And transformation becomes something that you notice rather than something that you try to do. Quit trying, you know, as Prophet Yoda says. Either do or do not. There is no try. There is no striving. Try sounds too much like trial to me. I'd rather just do it. Amen. Amen. Did you get something? Patience doesn't worry. Patience isn't afraid. Patience looks at heaven. And patience sees the promise manifest. (coughs) Acknowledge your stuff. Find a promise that replaces that feeling that comes up. And meditate on that promise to the degree that it starts to change how you feel about God, about yourself, about that situation, and about the possible future. Amen.